Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. You know, before we go any further, I'd like to stop and pause and just say a heartfelt apology to our loyal listeners. As some of you noticed, there was no afterword last week. And some of you, I had no idea how rapidly loyal you were because you asked, you texted, you emailed, you inquired. Where's the afterword? So to loyal listeners like Rachel Hughes and Ryan Wong, I just want to say I'm sorry. Here's what happened. I had a wonderful conversation last week with Jay Kim and Andy Gridley. They came in. We talked about the fourth question of the wise life, and that's the question about maturity. Paul says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, but you can be free to do something and that thing still be unwise. For example, if you've ever eaten a whole bag of Sour Patch Kids, I mean, you're free under Christ to do that, but man, that's going to hurt your tummy. You get a tummy ache. So last week, what happened is Andy Gridley and Jay Kim were here. We talked about amazing stuff, amazing stories. And then on the little board that we have to record podcasts, there was an SD card. It was corrupted. It was corrupted. And so uh, we actually, Les Lederman and I, we spent like three or four days trying to get the data off the card. We even called a, a, a solution specialist who specializes in getting data off corrupted cards. And we were able to finally retrieve the file to discover only the first five seconds were usable. So we lost the podcast, guys. We lost it. And uh, we're very sorry about that. But this week, we are back in the studio, and it's a good one. We've got Karina Gerard and Jay Kim talking about the fifth week of our Wise Life series, the final question in our series, and that is, what does love require of me? It's the fifth and final question, and it's arguably the biggest one, the most important one. So Jay Kim and Karina Gerard are here. They're going to dive into that, and it's a fantastic conversation. And uh, again, my apologies uh, for last week, and we try to make up for it this week with a, a little extra witty banter, as it were. So with that, let's dive in with Jay and Karina, and let's get going. Letters don't look like it's a long name, but when you say it semantically, it's three full syllables. My maiden name Corina. was horrible. What was your maiden name, Karina? Uh, Chronister. Oh, wow. That's that, bad. C-H-R-O-N-I-S-T-E-R-10. It never filled in. Oh, sure. It, it, it never, Corina the Scantron, Chronister. the Scantron didn't have enough squares for my name. <laughs> and Well, he, he had enough name for you, right, Jay? <laughs> I wasn't Kim, even K-I-M. a Dude, related. You know when they do the password for tax forms and it's your last name and the last four of your social? Yes. Oh, yeah. They have to add two stars to mine because my three letters and four numbers aren't enough to fill the space. Oh, wow. Because it's wow. so short. Yeah. Right. right. My whole name is six letters. Yes. It's that just Karina's first name <laughs> is my whole name. <laughs> So, Chronister, is that like, what is, Cron seems like it's from time. I was not related. Does that mean Time Slayer? Is that what it means? Because I think that would be a great nickname for you. Time Time Slayer. Slayer. Because I'm always late. (laughs) No, no, I wasn't saying that. But it's true, it is You slay all the time. Oh, that's cute. Wait, so we got to go back. I'm not even related to a person named Chronister, so it was really, really irritating. Oh. How did you get it? That is such a long story. My uh, mom okay. couldn't afford a divorce, so she was still legally married to the guy Some from guy. the cult. 
Oh man, that was not your dad. That is not my dad. So did you have a nickname though in in high school? What was your name or college? I'm reticent to share it with you just because it does trigger me. Oh, it does. Well, you don't have to share it. It's it's like it's like in my mind this this word is like who I was before I met Christ. Okay, but but my nickname you just take off the NNA, so it was Corey. Corey, my whole people called you that. That makes sense from birth to the day that I. Came into a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. So Makes I'm going to guess you really don't like that anymore. Yeah. If anyone calls me that, I correct them <laughs> immediately. immediately. Yeah. I'm like, I am would not you be that open? Person. Would you be open to a different new nickname? So Sebastian like has a, re- a like romantic. Rita. Oh, oh a pet name. Yes. He calls me. Honey Badger. No? <laughs> I, I just want I, I to guess. Four, oh, that's no, four no. syllables. It yeah. That's help. worse than Karina. Um, he calls me Coco. Oh, that's yes, a good one. Right? Because he's oh. French. No, that's good. So when he's talking to me, he usually calls me Coco. But the syllable on the second half like that, Coco, not Coco. Yes, Coco. no, in French actually what there does that mean? There, there are no Is it a French there's word? no accents. No syllables are are accented. Every syllable has equal value. Mm. So, so it's there's Coco. 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 So, so it's even. It's supposed it's, to be it's, even. You know, Coco Chanel. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. I see. Oh, no, that. it's like a. Oh, because your your fashion and style. I mean, this oh, is yes. the difference, you know, right? This is so Chanel. interesting because if you say Coco in the English sense, you think of that movie, oh, a little Co- yeah, kid, yeah. Coco, yeah, or like you know. But then if you say it, how you know you're a parent of small children? Yeah, no, yeah. totally. <laughs> Everything goes you back say to Pixar it, and Disney. If yeah. you say it through the the French paradigm, Coco. you think Coco food. Chanel. It's got to be food. It's, it's very be, elegant. Yeah. No, yeah. not food. Like. It's like jewelry yes. and yes. high fashion. High yes. fashion. Coco, Coco. Chanel. Yeah. So is I'm this... material. <laughs> this has nothing to do with our conversation, but it's really interesting It's really to interesting me. to me as well. Because Karina is a... For those listening, many of you know Karina, but if you don't, she's a, a fascinating woman. So if that is Sebastian's pet name, mm. it's romantic, yeah. it's personal, it's yes. intimate. If someone else... <laughs> And this is funny to me because we know Karina and her personality. If I start if calling someone you Coco, else started calling you Coco, that would be so weird. But would it? Yeah, like would Just it be acceptable? Thank you, Coco, for leading worship this morning. Like, no, not at <laughs> church, but like in the office in the hallway. The reason I ask is because when I said "Hey, Karina," I realized that is a long, kind of a long sentence. Karina, Karina, three full syllables. Yeah. So if I said "Hey, Coco." Would that be like unacceptable? Like stop. That'd be like, hey, schnookums. <laughs> hey, honey badger. Yeah, but that's a, is it. Is that acceptable? <laughs> is that acceptable? Is it okay? <laughs> well, let Maybe me ask we you. should ask Sebastian. We, we Maybe sh- we I should really ask should. Seb. Yeah. You know, like, is yeah, it okay? He goes by Seb. Can we share he this, is Seb? Seb? Yeah. Yes. Can yes. we share the pet name? <laughs> I don't think he's going to relinquish him. it. I don't hey, know why I'm asking. Did you Karina. have a nickname in college, Jay, or high school? Did you? Did something? Somebody? Well, I had very mean. Oh no! Like oh, no. people, because everything oh. rhymes with Jay. Okay. Oh. oh no! So I had very mean <laughs> ones. We won't talk about them. Everyone can, you know. So yeah, I could probably actually, guess. You, you guys can't see this, but he's crying right now. Yes, th- there's tears. <laughs> so there were mean ones as a kid. Oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. And then this is what's weird. My name is short. Yeah. So typically nicknames shorten the name. But my nickname in college, all my friends would call me Jaybird. Oh. Which oh. is weird because it makes it longer. It's more, it's inconvenient. Jay-Z. Me, but, but people, no one called me Jay-Z. <laughs> I, 
That would have been awesome. I would have embraced that, but no one ever called Jay me. Jaybird. But Jaybird, yeah. Everyone okay, so my Bird. oldest son, he's 16, and yeah. we wanted to give him a, a name that would work in English and in French. Yeah. Sure. His name is Raphael. Yep. Yes. And I have both no your boys have awesome names. idea yes. why, but his nickname, <laughs> and like literally we'll be out around town walking around and people will yell out this word and I'm like, like who are you talking to? Ray Ray? It's Dave. What? Dave. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. It's awesome. So that is like his like it. his What's Instagram weird? page, uh, his, yeah. his email address is Dave? the Dave. The Dave. The Dave. What's the, do you know the origination, the story? I don't. It I think no someone sense. was just like, Raphael's too hard to say. How about Dave? It's kind of I don't awesome. know. Well, no one calls me Raphael. It's a shortening of my name. Well, tell everyone your other son's name because the names are so awesome. Oh, yeah. uh, yes. So his name, it's really actually a point of frustration for me. Because no one says it right. No one says it right. It's and he to say. never corrects anyone because uh, he is very non. Like confrontation. So give us the wrong pronunciation and then the correct. Matthew. That's what people, people call him. Call Matthew. Him Matthew. With or the nasally The worst tone. is Matt. I'm like, ew. <laughs> but his actual. He's not like a rug you wipe your feet on. Come no, on. His name but his is not Matt. His actual name. We apologize for the offense to all the Matts listening to the <laughs> podcast. It's fine. Matt's a stupid name. Your By the way, great. if your name's Matt, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast. We do. Anyways, no the shame. The opinions of Karina are not held no by shame. all members of this no panel. No shame. We love you, Matt. We love I'm you, I'm thinking Matt. of Matt Lee. I'm thinking so. of, yeah, lots of Matt's. Okay, so that's the mispronunciation. All right. The correct pronunciation that I named him. Since I'm the one who named You're this the one. kid. You're the one. His name is supposed to be Mathieu. Matthew. Is that right. from is it is that the French version French, of French version of Matthew? Of so Matthew. sophisticated. Did you name him after the gospel? Uh did no. you have that in mind? Can, okay, I'm gonna be honest. With with Raphael, Matthew it was this whole huh? like beautiful process of of naming him. With with Matthew, my husband and I had such a hard time picking Raphael's name that yeah. we were like, there's no other name on the list that we agreed on. Oh, we were yeah. like arguing, if y'all are pregnant right now and trying to pick out your baby's name, wow. Yeah. We had some heated discussions yes. over boy names. Girl names, I feel easier. like are like way easier yes, than girl I agree. names. I agree. You know, you're like, oh no, I can't do that name. I knew somebody in third grade who was mean to me sure, like, yes, you know sure. you just all these names we uh, so i just put out a facebook post and i was like you did not i did you did not I did. Like a I poll? Was like, anybody you, got you, let, you not group even sourced your name literally not even a poll i was like anybody got a name idea that works both in english and french and an old college friend put mathieu alexandre and i was like oh, oh my that, that sounds good. so good and then i was like seb what do you think of mathieu alexandre and he was like i love it and i was like great let's do so it so is that his middle name too yeah, Alexandre. Wow. After yeah. Alexandre Dumas, yes. and and we were we the wanted famous French author. We we had more for b both Raphael and Mathieu. The meaning of the name was very important. Yeah. So Mathieu's uh, gift of God, yes. and yes. then Alexandre is the one who leads the people. Oh, so yeah, it was like a killer. Like what is Raphael's meaning? middle name? God heals. That's the meaning of his name. Raphael. Oh, his middle his name. Middle oh, name. he has the same middle name as me, De, oh. De Forest, which oh. which is our family name. Oh, very cool. Uh, that oh. whole weird Chronister story. Yes. I I didn't get to have my normal yeah. last name, yeah. so my mom gave me my last name as my middle name so that it wouldn't be lost. Oh, cool. oh that's and cool. And so I gave so that to Raphael. On? That's yeah. cool. That's yeah. neat. That's my grandfather's name. That's okay. One last question. I've never looked at or read a French Bible. In a French Bible is the first gospel, Matthew. Matthew. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's yeah, cool. That's right. 
Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah, it's really Yeah, cool. I mean, I would assume. Yeah. It's like I just I think in uh, Hebrew, it's Matis Yahu, right? Isn't that how you pronounce yeah, Matthew? Yeah, I think so. It's very, very... Also the name of the... Uh, the, the rapper. The artist, yeah. The Jewish the rapper. rapper, yeah. yeah. Not the Jewish rapper from the Beastie Boys. Anyways, thanks and, for listening to yeah. this episode, everybody. <laughs> That's not why <laughs> we're here. Have a great week. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, but my nickname in college was Circus Bear. Anyway, moving on. That actually makes so much sense <laughs> for you. All right, we're going. We're going to move ahead. Thank you. We're here with Karina Gerard and J Kim, and we are finishing up the Wise Life this week, guys. We're here with Coco. We're here with Co- <laughs> Seb's going to write in angry, angry emails. Um, so we're here, and we're here uh, on the final week, yes. and um, the the final question and the five wisdom questions that we've been asking, and it's it's a doozy. Um, they're all doozies, and if you if you really do the work, the first one was a doozy. Am I being really honest? That requires a ton. But this last one, which is what does love require of me, um, really f- gets the focus off ourselves and actually gets it onto other people. Yeah. And that is sometimes very difficult. But what's interesting, and I know we've already talked about your nicknames and everything, Karina, this chapter wasn't academic for you. Mm. Um, in fact, before the sermon even started, you had talked about how this book actually had begun to help you. And it was this chapter that kind of shifted. Do you want to share a little bit about, about that? Yeah. So actually today is the day exactly one year ago to this very day, Sebastian was uh, stationed in New York city by his new employer, JetBlue. He had just been hired by JetBlue. He was in training out in Orlando and he went to Orlando training, not knowing where they would base him. It's the airline who gets to choose your base. So for everyone who's listening, uh, Sebastian's a pilot. So. Yeah, Sebastian is a stunningly tall, good-looking French pilot. He's, <laughs> he's kind very of like tall. A, he's kind would, of like a movie character. Yeah, would is, you so. expect less for Coco? <laughs> <laughs> good point. So, so he's, so he's yeah. in Orlando. JetBlue gets to decide where he's assigned. And, the, and, and there's a middle of a pandemic recession. Yes, and... You know, JetBlue only has a couple of bases, very few. There's Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, New York, Boston, and L.A. And we're thinking, for sure the airline's going to, like, choose L.A. because we live really close to there. And Santa Cruz, right. Yeah, why would they choose something other than that? And then we get this news today, a year ago. Actually, we're basing you in New York City, JFK Airport. And we're like, uh... How is that going to work? When he was hired by his first airline, uh, SkyWest, he was on call for like over two years. Mm. On call means when the airline calls you at any time of the day, like three o'clock in the morning, you have to be at the airport within two hours. This means Sebastian has to get an apartment in New York. So we're like paying California mortgage and New York rent. Yeah. Like crazy. That doesn't make sense. So we're like, uh, what what are we supposed to do? Like we were very confused. Like what is God up to? What are we supposed to do with this? How could this be sustainable for our family, for Sebastian to have a seven-hour commute to work? (laughs) Right. Um, And we had just heard about this book. Someone else told us about it. And I was like, hey, how about this? Um, Let's read the book together. Like while you're away, when you're at your apartment in New York, and I'm sitting here in Santa Cruz with your two kids, um, we'll read a chapter of the book. And then when we come together, we'll, we'll like discuss it. And we did one chapter at a time. And we had these really difficult discussions. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's 
those questions, they're very uncomfortable yeah. if you're going to be honest about them. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, just really helpful. Um, and we were kind of like building this pro-con spreadsheet as we were having these conversations. Right. And the, at the end of question four. And the pro-con was like, are we going to move to JFK Are we or near JFK, move to New York? Stay here. What do we quit the job? All the all the options are on the table, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, at this point with the recession, and he, oh, yeah. he had been trying to get hired by a major airline for many years. We felt pretty committed to stay with JetBlue. Um, and uh, my family is actually from Long Island, and I've lived in Long Island. I have no desire whatsoever to live in New York. So we were actually thinking we'd live at one of the Florida bases, which would at least put us in the same time zone. It'd be uh, a short commute. Short, and I then see. eventually, when he had enough seniority, he could request a base change to Florida, but it'd probably take a number of years yeah. to get that change. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so that's kind of what we are that, that was your discussing. Thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. We made the spreadsheet question one through four. Everything in the whole world said we should move. It is way more logical on all these discussion points. Like we should definitely move to Florida. We'll figure it out. Um, the cost of living, just everything. Will closer be closer. to his work. Yeah. Yep. And then we got to question five, and we actually came to a point where we decided to throw the spreadsheet away. <laughs> mm. it, the question itself. What does love require of me? Mm. And, and what shifted in you guys when you went through that? It, it actually was um, considering the, the children. Uh. We had just moved to Scotts Valley in 2019. Um, we had come to California in 2013, so six years in on the San Jose side of the hill. Um, and those six years were very difficult for us and our children. Our children just couldn't find a way to navigate the, the culture on this side of the hill to make friends. The kids that they were meeting at school were really, really busy. Um, the families were really, really busy. Um, you know, it's not... Where we were living geographically, not a like outside kind yeah. of place yeah. where yeah. kids play, play in the outdoors yeah. Yeah, in yeah. the park, you know. And so um, <clears throat> they were feeling really isolated comparative to our lifestyle in Florida where we lived before here. Yeah. And when we went to Scotts Valley, everything changed. Uh, the community uh, that we live in is filled with kids. Kids are outside all day, every day, we're in bike riding distance to all the mountain bike paths at Henry Cowell State Park. And both my kids are competitive mountain bike riders. They have built so many relationships. They love their youth group. They're serving on the worship team to, to say like, hey, here's our spreadsheet, kids. Like we know that you finally, after six years of feeling really lonely, have all these like relationships and community, but we're going to take that away from you and and follow the spreadsheet, mm. um, we just... You said we can't do that. We, can't, we decided we yeah. can't do that, even though we knew it would cost Sebastian and I a lot. Right. Like that came with a pretty hefty yeah. price tag. My husband commuting seven hours, right. us being apart yeah. for who knows how many years he'll have to be on call paying double rent in New York City. Like, right. this is going to cost us something, um, but we determined that it was worth it for the love of our children. Wow. And then thing, there's a good ending to the story because about 11 months later, yeah. 10 months later? Yeah, about 10 months later, this was so surprising. 
you know, usually it takes years and years to get enough seniority to request a base change. And the LA base is one of their more senior bases. And we just like on a whim, they had what's called a bid where you uh, put in a request for either a change from one aircraft to another or from one base to another. Yeah. And we were like, let's just risk it and put in a request for a base change. And we, we did not think we were going to get it, and we got it. And so actually Sebastian has been in Orlando for the past many weeks um, doing the certification necessary to fly in L.A. So And he got, tra- he got transferred to the hub at L.A. Uh, so at L.A. Cool. So very so much, surprising. Much better for your family. Much, much better. But, you know, when you consider this question, hmm. what does love require of me? I think it's really important to to go in not thinking God's going to reward this somehow that yeah. there will be a payout because there yeah. and there might yeah. not be a payout and we we yeah. were prepared to pay the high yeah. price tag of what this love would cost us yeah. and then that's still spreadsheet thinking exactly it's just, well if I just it's 12 more columns but it'll pay out this way it's Asking that question is really letting go of the spreadsheet. It may not pay out the way I want, and it may not pay out that way for a very long time or ever. Yeah. But yeah. But in your case, in your story, there is this beautiful sort of, you know, God redemptive uh, move that seemed improbable. Very. So sometimes that happens. But sometimes, sometimes that it happens. Doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you do have to let go. God is not transactional. So yes. right. w- we can't be thinking, God, if I do the right thing, you've got to pay out. Right. Because um, that's, right. that's going to get us sometimes to a place where we get yeah. really bitter and resentful and demanding yeah. of God, which is not not a super healthy place to live. And then, honestly, that's not what love is. Yeah. Yep. So if you're really asking the question, what does love require of me? Love requires sacrificial, self-giving love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's beautifully said. You know, Jesus' own words in John 15 greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You know, that's, I mean, that's exactly what you're saying. You don't know. I mean, that's the end of the sentence. (laughs) You lay down your life (laughs) for your friends. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't say greater. The greatest love is you lay down your life for, for your friends and then you get tenfold back. Like that's not what it says. It's just the love is, laying it down. Right. And then whatever happens, happens. You, you trust God to write your story. It's, you know, it's interesting. Uh, in, in the book, Stanley says, you know, basically that um, true wisdom isn't merely doing what's good for me, but looking on how I can truly love, help, and serve others. Yeah. We answer the question, what does love require of me by looking at Jesus? And this kind of goes to this question, you know, if true wisdom is found in the person of Jesus, then as you said, Karina, then oftentimes true wisdom means doing something that the world looks like and says, that's stupid. Like that, that makes no sense from the the spreadsheet because it means dramatically giving of ourselves for the benefit of someone else. But we all know what that's like. We all know that's what love is. I mean, every, everybody who's ever been a parent, everyone who's ever had a good friend, any that's what love does, right? That's what this is. Yeah. So, um, so let me ask you a question, Jay. When you were when you were thinking through this, um, 
what kind of came to mind when you were thinking about this this question? Was there was there some? I mean, maybe not Karina's story per per, per se, but a story that kind of came to mind for you of when this when you made decisions or you and Jenny made decisions or um, through this paradigm where it, it kind of made sense on a spreadsheet and everything thing seemed to be going in one direction, but you were like, man, I need to pivot yeah. because of, because of what love requires. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought a lot about people who've done this for me, Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I am where I am in so many ways because people made that hard choice. The, the math didn't add up to <laughs> sacrifice on my behalf. People, people laid down their lives in essence, you right. know, not literally, but yeah. Laid down their hopes, their dreams, all sorts of things. Many people, you know, my mother in particular, obviously, but other people as well. Uh, the one, you know, maybe as a juxtaposition to Karina and Seb and, and their families, like really profound, sort of epic, big story. One of the things that uh, that also applies when it comes to this question, what does love require of me? This is just fresh in my mind because it happened this morning. As we're recording this, the three of us and our whole staff, we've been in quite a whirlwind this week because of a variety of things it's been. And um, I have not, this is not like a pity party thing. I'm just giving you the, the lay of the land. I haven't slept well this week. I'm behind on a lot of my work because of things uh, that I've had to address and, and tackle in a time sensitive way. It's been a, it's been, it's just not been an easy week this morning. Um, I had to call my wife on the way into the office to apologize because I was sitting at our kitchen counter this morning with my laptop on as the kids were finishing breakfast. And that's very rare for me. I typically don't work when the kids are, when I'm home with the kids, but I just had to. And, um, my daughter who's seven Harper, she needed help with something. And Jenny's like scrambling. She's like single mom mode right now. Like, and we've got two kids. And uh, so Jenny looks at me and she says, pretty kindly, she says, Jay, can you help Harper with that? And I ignored her. And um, and then my daughter is just standing literally right there waiting for me to help her with something. And then Jenny has to say it again, like, Jay, can you help Harper with this yeah. thing? And then I, I slammed my laptop. I like slammed it because I was so frustrated. And I like begrudgingly helped my daughter and then I got them to school and did my thing. And then I was just so convicted afterwards that that was so unloving and it, it's very simple, but it's so, it was so unloving because I was doing math. Like I was like, I have things I don't to do. have time. I don't have time to for this. help her. Yeah, yeah. I have to send this email or whatever, you know, whatever. And uh, so I called Jenny and um, I apologized. And then she said something to me in love. She said, hey, I know you've had a hard week. You know I'm praying for you every day while you're at the office. And then she said the gut the gut punch words we've all heard as parents. She said, but your daughter really needed you this morning, which is like a way of ripping away the spreadsheet is what it felt like to me. It's like Man. she's essentially saying like you were operating on the spreadsheet and it makes sense what, how you were prioritizing based on the spreadsheet. Like there was work that is time sensitive. You had to get it done, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, that sentence summarizes it. It's like your daughter really needed you this morning. Yeah. Which is like essentially 
like delete the spreadsheet for a second and ask the question, what's the most loving thing you can do in that morning? And the most loving thing for me to do is sacrifice whatever I need to sacrifice to an extent and get to it when I can and extend love to my to my kid the way she really needs, you know? And I make that kind of mistake a lot. And so it's fresh in my mind because it happened hours ago. And uh, that's what I think about, you know? It's like my default is to operate on the spreadsheet, do math with my life. What's the most optimal way to spend my time right now that will result in the in the most optimal, yeah. you know, like yeah. end result immediately. Yeah. Um, but that's not a wise life. That's not a worthwhile life. And it's the classic question is like, in 10 years, am I going to look back and say, you know, I'm really glad I sent that email that morning before 8 a.m. Right. Or, because as we, we have defined wisdom, we're not trying to create the most efficient life. No. Yeah. We're trying to create the most meaningful life. Yes. And I think, yeah, on our deathbed, we're not going to be super stoked about how we were very efficient and effective with our lives. Yeah. But what what was the most meaningful? What had the most impact on the people around us? Yeah. I mean, Jesus models this. I think about the woman with the issue of bleeding. Yep. He's right. on his way to go do something. He's an important guy. He's surrounded by a crowd. He's in a hurry. And he, he stops. stops. He stops yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. What's profound to me about that story about the bleeding woman is actually she got what she came to get already. So he could have gone on his way and on paper, all would have been well. She wanted healing. She touches the edge of his robe, his cloak, and then she's healed and she's good. Like yeah. she's like, I'm good. Hallelujah. I'm healed. But Jesus knows um, that the depth of love goes farther than physical healing. So he stops to restore her emotionally and communally back into the life of the community. And he points her out. It's so, yeah, it's so grossly inefficient, yeah. you know, because he's going to heal the daughter of a respected, highly influential religious leader. That's like the important thing to do, you know, but yeah. he stops. And yeah. Well, if you think about it, overcoming evil with good is grossly through humans is grossly inefficient as a plan <laughs> for yeah. God, for yeah. God, you know, him choosing to work with us and, 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 and even leaving heaven, you know, yeah. Um, one of the scriptures this week, the f famous one, Philippians, um, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, <clears throat> being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. As you guys were, you know, preparing for this message, that uh, that's one of the verses that kind of came out to me. I was like, this yeah. reminds me of of that work. And it reminds me of um, uh, one of the attributes of God that um, in Christians um, that really astonishes me, and it's generosity. Mm. Really, it, you, we were just, you know, we just did this, you know, interesting retreat where we, we looked at generosity. And generosity really to me is this is generosity. It's giving of yourself. It's being not holding back. Generosity stirs the hearts, I think, of people. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a it's a really beautiful aspect of it. Does that does this tie in, in some way to you guys to to generosity or are there other words that you think about when you think about this question um uh, and or this 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 aspect of, of wisdom? 
I mean, the phrase that kept coming to my mind mm-hmm. um, in preparation for this is self-giving, sacrificial love. That's good. Self, yeah. like over and over again, it's the yeah. the phrase that kept repeating mm. in my mind. Um, it's it is a love that is willing to. Uh, it, there's a, one of the translations of the Philippians too that says he poured himself out, right, and made himself nothing. Nothing, yeah. I honestly, you know, one of the definitions that we, you know, helped define love because love is one of those really fuzzy words you know when we say the word love however many people in the room there are that's how many different definitions we'll come (laughs) up with yeah and one of the more helpful passages is the the famous first corinthians 13 but as you read that i mean you have to recognize anyone reading that i've probably never actually really experienced love in that capacity Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I certainly have never given love like that before. Yeah. It, it is this aspirational. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's this is who I want to become. How do I become this sort of person? Yeah. And it's the recognition I literally actually could never do this on my own. So the invitation, I think, throughout this whole wisdom series actually comes back to where we were a number of weeks ago, and it's follow me. That actually I I cannot love. I'm incapable of actual, real, self-giving, sacrificial love. But if I could learn to live a life with Jesus. Yeah, in the spirit, right. Like Walking desperately with, yeah. keeping my eyes on him. Yeah. You know, that, you know, as we behold him, we are transfigured into his likeness. Just by spending time with him, listening to his voice, being in his presence, watching what he does, listening to what he says, hopefully, <laughs> little by little, the Spirit will um, enable me to become more loving. Mm-hmm. And and really, you know, when it comes down with, to it, and again, the way we've defined wisdom, it's not a, it's not really about are you making the right choice or the wrong choice. Right. It's more about are you choosing every day to live your life with Jesus? Mm-hmm. And if you're living your life with him, that's where wisdom is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think that generosity is a good word. We typically equate generosity to money. To money. Yeah. And that is generosity. It is. But generosity is much broader. It's than much that. more. Yeah. And, you know, like Karina said, I think. When you read that Corinthians passage, the attributes of what love actually is, it's all, it's born out of a generosity of spirit that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, selfless love, which is why, again, like Karina said, spending time with Jesus, walking with Jesus, being transformed into Christ's likeness is the means by which we become loving people, receiving his love and then giving his love. Because he is the he's the only one that embodied the aspirational goal of love in a real way, in perfection. He he is all those things. And he did all those things and he did them perfectly, continues to do them and live them perfectly. So and it's generosity. He's he's the most generous being in the universe. 
and ultimately he he summarizes his generous love toward us in his death you know i mean he literally he literally lays down his yeah, life self-giving beyond yeah. self-giving yeah yeah it's interesting you know um this week was really, really difficult as you talked about one of the things that i keep thinking um just as you guys were preparing and sharing these messages the thing that kind of bounced around in me is uh it was interesting because you didn't really necessarily go there or say this was um the same question that you might have asked at that countertop or the, the you know the big question that you were asking with seb and for me it's like am i walking in the flesh or the spirit mm. so for me flesh is me 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 yeah. it's what i want and spirit is like galatians 5 the fruit of the spirit but also these things that you pointed out in first corinthians and for me that that question am i walking in the flesh is this flesh or is this spirit is an invitation for me to to pause and to make a different choice that's self-giving and self-sacrificial and other-centered as opposed to me, 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 me. Yeah. So in a weird way, that, that question kept stirring up for me because I, I love what you said, self-giving, self-sacrificial love. But what I needed to get to was a question that in that moment where I could be like, am I, I'm really focused on me right now. And that question is actually breaks me out of that thinking mm. and allows me to at least invite God into considering how my, I might be other centered in meetings with my children, with my priorities. Cause it's just so easy just to get wrapped up in these things. Yeah. And it just, it's, it almost feels like my default setting. It actually is my default setting. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, you know, for, for me on a very personal level, I've been on a years long journey I had a, when I was in youth group, I wasn't really a Christian back then in hindsight. I thought I was, but when I was in youth group, I had an experience for several years where there was a real, um, misuse and I would say abuse of like Holy Spirit language. Yeah, so I, sure. you know, I've shared that yeah. story with you before, I think. And so coming out of that, I had a very reactionary I'm going to focus on the when I became a Christian in my early 20s, I had a very reactionary to my youth group upbringing. I'm going to have a, a life of the mind sort of faith, you know. And so in, in my late 30s and now very early 40s, you know, I've been on this journey of marrying that with like a deeply spiritual life in the truest sense. And what's interesting to me is the sort of the, unexpected theme of the conversation here. I like the way you said it earlier, Karina, the a life of true love, like receiving and giving the love of God is actually not possible yeah. without an openness to the spirit of God moving in yeah. us. Yeah. So there, there, the, the Christian that is focused on the life of the mind would say the spirit, typically they would say the spirit of God is in us, which is totally true. Um, you become a Christian and God gives you the Holy Spirit. And so the the typical phrase is, yeah, the Spirit of God is in me. Completely true. But I, I think I'm, I'm coming to the realization that that's not, it's not that that's not enough. It's just limiting if that's the language or that's the perception. That the Spirit of God is sort of a static entity that resides in me and then I go about my life, you know, and live my life. We have to, I think, desire the Spirit of God to move, like, through us. And 
and within us and Animate, through us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a great word for it. Like the animating force and energy. So you yeah. can imagine when God creates humans, he takes dust and dirt, and then it says he breathes. He pneumas, or he, he wrote, um, right? Ruach. Yeah, he yeah. ruachs, he spirits, you know, yeah. into humans. And it's motion. It's like the spirit in motion. And I think that doesn't stop. Like the spirit is constantly in motion. And for us to then receive and give love, I, I just think we have to tap into that. Otherwise, like Karina said, it's really not possible. Like the bar is too high. Because like you said, our default setting is to live in the flesh. Yeah. It, it's just like we have to admit it. <laughs> like left unattended, yeah, my life will be in the flesh. That is a guarantee for everyone listening. There's no choice in the matter. Left unattended, yeah. without intention, you will just live a fleshly life, which leads to, I would say, a loveless life. Yeah. Maybe fleeting moments of love, but not a, a life of love. You know. So we have to rely, I, th I think, on the Spirit of God, who is love, to animate us into being, every moment of every day, people of love, You know, who, who receive and give love. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think <laughs> coming to the realization that my default setting is me-centered and, and that the bar is too high for me to reach without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I think, Jay, your story actually models this really beautifully. The reality is you and I, we're going to blow it so many times, like even when we're most best intentioned. So I think a big part of living a life of love is living a life of repentance. Just, yeah. you know what, I, I noticed the Holy Spirit quickened me. The Holy Spirit, you know, we had a conversation about the difference between the Holy Spirit and the conscience a, yeah. a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, oh, wow. Okay, I noticed. I heard you. Uh, let me apologize for that. And, and that also is love. Yeah. It's not that you're going to do everything right all the time, but I do notice there's these moments where I blow it and I live in a relationship of grace and forgiveness with yeah. God. So I have the ability, thank goodness, to not be overcome with shame and feel distance in my relationship to others and my relationship to, to God. I always have the invitation unlimited invitations to come back to God, to come back to others and say, yeah. Yeah. whoa, I'm sorry. That's good. Yeah. What beautiful permission that is. You right. know, it's like God, God knows us. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for a life lived with him. Yeah. I thought it closed with the words that you kind of brought up the first Corinthians 13 and just because they just, they really do hit. Love yeah. is patient. Love is kind doesn't envy, does not boast, it's not proud, doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, mm. keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, it rejoices with truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Yeah. Just a powerful reminder for those listening who've never experienced that kind of love in their earthly relationships. That's, that's hard. Um, that's how God loves. And, and, and I want to, I want to reflect that into this world a little bit better today than it was yesterday mm. and a little bit better tomorrow than I did today. Yeah. Not slamming my laptop, 
but you know, yep. but like listening, as you said, cause I do that all the time and thank you guys for bringing that to our attention. Thank you for this, this fifth question, which is a doozy. Yeah. Uh, they're all doozies, but this one's really a doozy because it puts you, puts us right in the center of acting like Jesus and asking for his help to be like him. So yeah. thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Coco. <laughs> so good. Jay Bird. Jay Bird in the his ass. <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys. All right. All right, bye, bye. Circus monkey. Circus bear. Bear. Sorry. Circus bear. Uh. <laughs> hey, just want to say thanks to our guests, Coco and Jay Bird, for stopping by. Uh, they're going to kill me. I, that's not their names. Jay and Karina for stopping by. It was wonderful talking to you guys. Join us next week when we drop a brand new season of the Book of Matthew. Stranger Things Season 4 is out. And next week, Stranger Things are going to happen at Westgate. We're going to have Season 2 of our Matthew series. We're going to be delving into the Sermon on the Mount, one of Jesus' most famous Uh, teachings in all of scripture. We're going to dive into that, start diving into that. Steve Clifford will be here. So join us for that as we uh, jump back in. So we'll see you next week.